Welcome to the Mama Matters podcast. Whether you're expecting, you've recently given birth, or you're just starting along your fertility journey, it's time to get down to the nitty gritty and sort fact from fiction. I'm your host, Rosie Dumbrell, physiotherapist and pregnancy expert. Mama Matters aims to provide an easily digestible, up-to-date and evidence-based approach to pregnancy, birth and motherhood with a side dose of humour along the way. Interviews from the industry's leading experts and experience of my own adventures as a mother to three gorgeous boys under four. I want to share the stuff that helps to grow confidence throughout motherhood. Mama Matters is a podcast by Lenny Rose Active and this is what you can expect to hear in upcoming episodes. So before naps, before bedtime, just have a five minute period where you just calm your baby before you try to sort of take them into their room or it can happen in the room. And I do, I call this the wind down routine and, you know, I usually encourage it to be some really clear sequential steps that you always take. And that's the sort of rhythms that I'm talking about as well that you can start to introduce because the younger your baby, the more help they need to fall asleep. Welcome back. So great to be back. And today we have the most amazing Jennifer Butler, who is joining us today. And she's a registered nurse, a maternal and child health nurse, lactation consultant and early parenting expert, and just such an amazing wealth of knowledge around everything to do with early parenting. But she definitely specializes in the area of sleep and educating parents and families on, you know, how to get the sort of best sleep that they can for their for their babies and obviously for their own benefit too so yeah really great chat with Jen today and if you're loving what you're listening to with the podcast don't forget to screenshot and tag us at Lenny Rose Active and we do have a promotion going at the moment where you can win one of our woman teas so jump on that and without further ado here's Jen. So thanks so much for joining us, Jen. Uh, we're just having a good old natter about the uh, social media world and how interconnected this sort of area is and how grateful we are for all the different people that we've met and connected with. And you're definitely one of those people for me. So yeah, thanks so much for joining us and sparing some of your precious time to chat today. Oh, thank you for having me, Rosie. And yes, it's a, <laughs> like I was, we were both saying that it's, it's sort of like a small town. It's like you, you know everyone and just get to connect with so many people. So it's awesome. I'm so glad that I can be here today. Oh, thank you so much. I'm so excited. I know I have obviously thought your advice for sort of sleep issues and, and uh, those sorts of things in the past, but also we both um, are experts on the bub app and yeah, just lots of little sort of threads of yes. <laughs> interconnections. It's a bit incestuous really. Yeah, sort of exactly. Women's health, <laughs> women's health kind of and, you know, parenting area, but we'll get there. Yeah, I'd love for you to start with a bit of a brief background on your story. I know it, but I'd love for our listeners to sort of understand about why you're so passionate about early parenting. Yeah. and just the why behind your brand and what you do. Yes, I I really love the why because I think, I mean, my why is what drives me to be doing what I'm doing today. So a little bit of background. So um, I have my own business, Jen Butler Early Parenting Support. My background is that I'm a registered nurse and midwife, maternal and child health nurse, lactation consultant, sleep consultant and circle of security facilitator, which sounds like a lot of stuff, but it just gives me that expertise to be able to specialize and hone in on all of the things relevant, I guess, in the um, early years. And my particular passion 
is educating families on how to reclaim sleep through education rather than through sleep training, which is like a big sort of difference to the whole culture that's out there in the sleep training world. And I guess my why comes down to my very own experience in becoming a mum. So I actually went into motherhood with, you know, the background as a registered midwife and a maternal and child health nurse. And I'm going to be pretty straight in saying I was pretty damn cocky. (laughs) I was like, I have got this. (laughs) And I didn't got this. I was, you know, I mean, there was lots of stuff that happened. There was breastfeeding issues. There was, there was things that was outside, I guess, at that time, my area of expertise, because I guess my training to date hadn't really gone into the specifics around breastfeeding support, you know, like things that happen outside the hospital, definitely. Because when you're a registered midwife, basically you only see families until the first two weeks. But then even as a maternal and child health nurse, it's sort of just, it wasn't enough. And look, it was, it was tough. It was a tough transition into motherhood. I ended up with postnatal depression and like at the end of the day, I recovered from that and I, you know, pretty early on in the piece from about four months, I think I was feeling pretty good again, which is pretty short in, in like relation to how some mums experience the same sort of journey. But what it did was it sure as hell gave me an eye opener in things that I didn't understand about having a new baby. And it sure as hell spurred me into action in going, well, if I felt this way, and I had the knowledge of what I knew before, you know, heading into motherhood, then how the hell would other mums feel? Because technically I still had an advantage, you know, over mm. uh, over an average mum without this sort of training. And look, I had another baby in between then. That was absolute bliss and a completely different experience from my first son. But it definitely, all of that, it really spurred me into going well. I really want to help families in in better understanding their babies and toddlers. And yeah, and so obviously my my expertise is broader in the terms of feeding and all all of the things, but my my favorite area to talk about is definitely sleep and it's definitely sort of my area that I really hone in on with families and enjoy enjoy helping and supporting them. So, yeah, let's segue um, from that then into sleep expectations. Yeah. And I, yeah, I just constantly have friends, you know, when they've got new little babies, they're like, ah, why, he's got his nights and days backwards mm-hmm. and all that sort of stuff. And I think it would be great to sort of have a bit of insight into what to actually expect in that first six weeks because it's, I think we expect babies just to sort of, you know, enter the world and, and sleep in the same time frames as adults. But in reality, it's very, very different. Mm. So, yeah. You enlighten us on that sort of first six weeks and then perhaps even into the first six months on setting ourselves up for success from an expectation perspective. Mm. This is like probably one of my favorite things to to talk about because so many women head into motherhood with unrealistic expectations. And it's not because of them, it's because of society. These myths, I guess, that have sort of popped up around what babies should and shouldn't be doing, and that what we need to be doing is getting our babies home and and you know, getting them into the crib, getting them into the bassinet, self-settling, the elusive self-settling that they need to be feeding every three hours and then they need to sleep for two hours and then they feed. Like that is that is something that is achievable, but definitely not in the first six weeks. And I'll talk a little bit more about beyond six weeks in a moment too. The first six weeks is the prime time of the fourth trimester. So I, you know, I'm hoping people have heard of the concept of the fourth trimester. I know it's more spoken about. It's kind of spoken about in two aspects, though, I've seen some from the fourth trimester for the mum. So her recovery and, you know, her postnatal journey. And I very much look at it through the lens of baby development. Obviously, with my background in maternal and child health, it very much comes from 
you know, normal baby developmental expectations. And some of that is, is exactly as you touched upon, Rosie, is this baby circadian rhythms are not set to our circadian rhythm when we're born or when they're born. And I always get a pregnant mum to have a little think about when their baby was the most active. And I would say 90% will say to me that it used to be when they finally went to lie down at night and the baby would be doing acrobats in their mm-hmm. stomach, right? Yeah. <laughs> and so they come out and that's kind of their wakeful period is like they, because to, to help to explain why this happens is we spend the whole day walking around, ultimately rocking our babies all day long. And so they sleep all day long, basically. Mm-hmm. And then once everything's still and there's no motion when you're lying in bed, that's when they wake up. The same thing happens when they're born is they often have really sleepy days and nights mixed up where they're sleeping all day because that's what they're used to. And then they're more wakeful come the evening. And that can vary. It can be early evening. It can be, you know, in the middle of the night. And that's super, super challenging for parents because just as you're getting ready to tuck down and go to sleep, your baby's starting to get ready to have their awake time. And often it's an unsettled time too, because little babies get overstimulated really easily. And so I guess first and foremost, it's normal. Like it's hard, but it is very much normal. And by six weeks, most babies will have adjusted into our circadian rhythm whereby they're more wakeful during the day and they sleep more at night. So these are the sorts of things that, you know, it's just knowing that this is most likely going to happen to most babies. And so then when you're trying to follow these feeding patterns or sleep patterns where perhaps you let your baby, you know, sleep for a couple of hours and then wake them to feed, many families will go to wake their sleepy baby in the day and the baby's just not interested because, you know, they're they're fighting against that circadian rhythm. So the biggest thing in the six weeks to understand is that those days and nights will be back to front. Unsettled periods usually happen in the early evening and the night. And a normal sleep in those first six weeks can look anything from as little as 20 minutes up to like four hours at a time. And it's very variable. No two days will be the same. That's crazy. Mm, yeah. And I think, I think like just knowing, you know, that I think a lot of people come home and they hope that they'll be able to just slot into a routine. And that can be really hard then for families when their baby isn't, I say in inverted commas, following routine. But just knowing that it's really hard for a newborn baby to follow routine because of what I've just spoken about, you know, with the days and nights mixed up. I hope that just gives people a little bit of, I guess they get that chance to relax and understand that they're not doing anything wrong. That's just normal baby development. So beyond the six weeks um, and probably particularly I sort of, you know, everyone will describe that fourth trimester as the first three months. So things from three months to six months start to change. It's still not a time to be like worrying about rigid routine. And like the reason I say that it's absolutely wonderful to start to get rhythms to your day. Like early on in the piece, there's a very big difference between rhythms and routines. And rhythms are those things that we do in the same way every single day. Like we have natural rhythms to our day, whether before bed, we read a book, brush our teeth, have a cup of tea, go to sleep. Like whatever your little rhythms are in different parts of the day, the same things can be applied into a baby's world really early on. Yes. But in terms of sort of those 
rigid routines where baby sleeps at this time, even between three to six months, it's still emerging. So a three to six month old baby still spends 50% of their time in light sleep, 50% in deep sleep, which sees, and one of the most common things I work with with families is around catnapping. So short sleeps, like they are super frustrating because you'll have just got your baby down and then they wake 30 minutes later or 45 minutes later. And that's very challenging. So there is lots that we can do to help that, but there's also a lot of it that comes down to development. Trying to follow rigid routines can send you into a spiral because then when your baby only sleeps 45 minutes instead of the two hours that the routine prescribed, that can really worry. Exactly. Mm. And then you, you will literally spend your days just in this like settling slash resettling slash is it time to go to sleep? Like, yeah, it just sends you into a bit of a tiz. I feel like, speaking of tiz, I, with my first son, I followed Tizzy Hall's sleep routines and found it really helpful. It was quite rigid and quite prescribed and he somehow managed to, you know, live up to the task. But once you have sort of multiple children, it can often be quite hard to then, you know, you're balancing routines of sort of different individuals and it, it can be hard to sort of, you know, keep up with those expectations. But I find sort of even now, like I've got three kids, a four or two and a 10 month old, and I even still probably need to soften my expectation around, you know, them having their correct amount of sleep. And then, you know, it can create stress when you're like, right, they should be sleeping this much and they should be sleeping at this time. And when it's too rigid, really can create extra stress. And I I love how you just described rhythm uh, over routine. Mm. I just sort of had a little light bulb moment there. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm a big believer, like, like I said, setting out realistic expectations is my thing. And it's funny how you said Tizzy Hall, I tried Tizzy with my son, Max, my first son, and it was a disaster and it was like and but that was you know that and I often say to families is these sorts of things will work beautifully for some families and for others it will not and it's just about understanding that at the end of the day every baby is different and when I work with families I take that unique you know temperament difference family values all of that into account because Mm. yeah like you cannot approach the same baby or family with the exact same strategy or you know education because we're all so different so Mm. yeah yeah like it is it's and rhythms are just yeah an incredible way of getting that consistency into you and your baby's world without there having to be the rigidity it if it's working for you like my big philosophy too is nothing's a issue unless it's an issue for you so like I said some babies will be able to go into a routine and they will thrive on it and then I think it's just that message to the ones whose babies aren't slotting into said routines that that is so normal because not every baby is going to do exactly the same thing even though we might like them to sometimes it's just you know there's such variation so yes I would say on the whole mostly no to really rigid routines in the fourth trimester. Yeah. And so when do you normally start on more of a sort of consolidated routine? If that is, you know, I do know that you do recommend that to some degree. Yes, definitely. Um, so yeah, yeah what, when, when does one look to sort of start more of a routine rhythm? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I, you know, when I'm working with families, I usually start working with them anywhere from sort of three months of age where it's not about like, I mean, my big thing is education, not sleep training. So no matter when you work with me, it's more about the education and delving into the whys instead of, you know, doing that sort of any excessive sleep training sort of stuff. So, but I have routines starting at three months. So I guess it's going, you can start to get some of that more 
regular wake times to your day, regular nap times. It's just that you have to take it with a grain of salt because you could be following a three to six month routine. So somewhere between those two times, just knowing that because babies developmentally are still spending that 50% in light sleep, 50% in deep sleep, that's where things can vary is in how long. So even like routines can say like my routines, for example, will say at three months that it's on an average awake time of about an hour and a half. So if your baby's up by seven, then they'll be down by about 8.30. And in an ideal world, they'll sleep for 1.5 to two hours. But that's, they won't always do that big sleep. And so from there, it's just about knowing roughly what time you're working on to like for the rest of their naps, but also being willing to adjust because a shorter sleep isn't going to keep them revived for as long as a longer sleep. So there needs to be a level of flex. And my my routines on my website are literally called my flexible daily routines because there needs to be flexibility. Like our babies and toddlers are not robots. The the older they get, the more they can be far, far more predictable. But when we're honing in on these first six months, things are still like predictability like really a lot of predictability comes from six months. Do you do you agree? Like did you see that with your boys that you were able to like really see that things was more established in that sort of second half of their first year of life? I mean, it's really hard to say. I have had pretty good sleepers, but definitely those first three months, yeah. very difficult in terms of like a lot of overnight waking and, yeah. and being up a lot with two of the three of them. The first one slept through up to 10 oh weeks, but... But, you know, I definitely found a turning point more probably at about that 12, more sort of three to four months, probably more a turning point for me. And then I've just always been probably overly rigid by the sounds of things with um, nap times. And I'm only just now like, you know, third child in and and he's sort of like 10 months. I'm still just getting a little bit more flexible with like, okay, if we have our lunchtime rest at 1.30 instead of one, no problems. Like, yeah, (laughs) you know, because it sort of creates stress. I think if you, yeah, if you're too rigid and I, I really feel like I have been. So yeah. That's great. I think <laughs> great I, I definitely was like with Max, I was so rigid and it, it sucked some of the pleasure out of just having like, and mm. the thing is, is if I work with a family, I will talk to them about like, you do need to be consistent. Like consistency is one of the keys, mm. but there can be fluctuations and yeah, like adaptability is important because like, I mean, it's just, it's like you and I No two days are the same, even, even in their energy expenditure, sleep's a complex thing. So obviously things have worked well. So there's no, you know, I think if families are happy in the way that they're doing things, then nothing needs to change. Do you know what I mean? It's more, I work with lots of families who feel really crap that they're not, their babies aren't doing X, Y, or Z. And sometimes it's about realigning things and, you know, getting things and educating them so they are back in line. And other times it's just about setting some realistic expectations. So, um, and probably it's always a balance of all of the above. Yeah. I was about to say, I feel like a lot of it really has to do with expectations. Mm. And I think that's really, really key, especially if you're sort of coming into motherhood or parenthood for the first time or, you know, reintroducing another family member and just having that expectation, you know, perhaps just to soften the expectations about how it's going to be. So that's such great information. And so what are your top tips for calm, resilient and well settled baby? Yeah, I love this one because I actually was like, I do, you know, it came to me, obviously, like I said, sleep, there's lots to learn, but three things that popped to 
to mind is that your baby needs wind down time. So again, the older they get, the better they are at winding themselves down. But I mean, even we wind ourselves down before bed, generally speaking. So before naps, before bedtime, just have a five-minute period where you just calm your baby before you try to sort of take them into their room or it can happen in the room. And I do, I call this the wind-down routine and, you know, I usually encourage it to be some really clear sequential steps that you always take. And that's the sort of rhythms that I'm talking about as well that you can start to introduce because the younger your baby, the more help they need to fall asleep. So usually newborns need all your help. Three to six months need some of your help and six months plus still need help to wind down, but often are able to play more of a part in that settling process. But it just, it's across the board, you you know, offering some wind down is so important. Another is following your baby's awake window. So I talk a lot about awake windows. I talk a lot about tired signs. It can get really confusing when you're desperately looking for your baby's tired signs. Some babies have really clear tired signs and many don't. And unless you also are aware of how long they should be awake at any given time, then it can get really confusing. So I do always talk about a combination of looking at both. But if you know how long your baby should be awake for based on their age, then it's far easier for you to know when sleep needs to happen and when this wind down needs to start. And overtired babies are not fun guys. <laughs> they like they're harder to wind down. They sleep for less. Like ironically, they sleep less yeah. because their bodies are too wide to consolidate sleep cycles. They're unhappy. They don't feed as well. Like I could go on. So awake windows? Yes. <laughs> tick tick. <laughs> I love that, awake windows, because I definitely thought more about that after having a chat with you whenever it was some months ago. And it was, um, and again, it's a much more relaxed approach to their sleep times, but still with like consistency. Yeah. And that's, you know? I sort of think, I guess I'm so used to just practicing the way I practice that I forget that there's other people who would probably practice very differently in that it's, this is what time this happens and this is what time this happens. And mm. yeah, I guess I come from the stance of like, you want, you'll always have your roundabout ish times. I always talk about ish. <laughs> so it's going to be 8.30 ish, like give or take, even if it's 15 minutes, even if it's 10 minutes either side, like that 10 minutes can be, that That just adds for that level of flexibility, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and the other one, the final one I would say is don't be so reactive. So what I mean by that is almost every mum is at their baby's bedside the minute they make a little noise. So I think I've said it like three times, but new babies in this first six months, they spend 50% in light sleep, 50% in deep sleep. When they're in light sleep, they're making a hell of a lot of noise. Like that's a squirming Mm. and they're squawking and they're like, but it doesn't mean they need you. And I think just pausing and just waiting for your baby to actually declare themselves is a really great strategy across the board. Like not no baby needs immediate, immediate attention when they make a little peep. Uh, it doesn't mean that you don't go to them when they are actually declaring themselves very clearly. You just don't have to go and be over at the cot side or bassinet side or whatever at every little noise because, yeah, they just, it's, it's actually really fascinating to give them some space and actually see what they're capable of doing because they can go from squirming, grunting, farting, like, you 
know, even doing little squawks and cry outs and then they can be back asleep. So unless we observe that mm-hmm. then and give them space, then yeah, we we don't see what they're capable of. I would so agree with that. And I actually read a book called French <gasps> Children Don't Throw yes, Food. This is, is exactly what and, I'm talking um, about. They call it lipos. And um, so I definitely, you know, I'm a huge fan of that. And it just seems to build that ability for them to self-settle because you're not jumping down their throat every time they make a noise. So they sort of learn. Like all of my kids I've been able to just put down, walk away. Yes, and they're actually able to. <laughs> and yeah. they sleep usually very, until they tend into toddlers. But as babies, very easy to yes. get to sleep because they built that resilience and that ability to self-settle. So I love that you oh, mentioned And that. I love so it because, it's and it's great. often like things like that, often people think, oh, well, you're just leaving them to cry. No, you're just giving them space. And if your baby needs you, of course you go to them. But, of course, but it's just yeah. it's just space and not even a young like a young baby not, they no one needs instant gratification like it's like the, you know they say that the more babies you have the better the better I hate that word but the more settled babies become because you're so busy with say the other one or the other two that you you can't get yeah. to them straight away and that's not a it's Absolutely. not a coincidence mm. that that's the case <laughs> <laughs> oh I definitely can attend that as well so yeah <laughs> oh dear. Yeah, we are just a jolly uh, whole rabbit hole of amazing information. So thank you. Oh, my you. pleasure. And on your day off, just a bloody <laughs> legend to, you know, give us your free time and be like, oh, it's not work. And, you know, I love it that you're so passionate about it and that you're just doing such great work. And, yeah, it's just, you know, having this little bit of information and, um, you know, I guess being introduced to you as an amazing resource I think is a great thing for any expectant on your mums. And, you know, that's what we're all about is just trying to, you know, open up resources and information that help make the sort of bumpy journey part of the fun yeah just that little bit smoother uh, you mentioned uh, at the start that you were really happy to give us a freebie for our listeners so can you just enlighten us on that briefly before we yes, finish up I have actually just put together what I call the ultimate guide to your baby's first three months which could not be more appropriate to what we've just spoken about so because I'm mm. so big on expectations it's everything that you can come to expect with your baby's feeding patterns, with their sleep and with their development in the first three months of their life. And it is free to download and I can um, share the link to that. So it is https dot slash slash jenbutler.mykajabi, which is um, so it's M-Y-K-A-J-A-B-I dot com slash the dash first dash three dash months. So hopefully I'm going to give you the link to that, Rosie. <laughs> I will pop that in the awesome. show notes. And so people can just jump on over to the website and access that from the show notes. So don't stress. And when I pop it up on socials, we can also pop it in the Amazing. bio. The easy, it's a little bit of a, it's easy a, little bit access. Of a mouthful, but <laughs> it's worth it. <laughs> oh, so good. Oh, well, thank you so much for your time. And I am going to be harassing you again uh, for another episode around here. Uh, bring it on. <laughs> I'm happy to talk about the whole lifespan. So, you know, I'm more than happy. Yeah, so we can, uh, yeah, so look forward to uh, chatting with you about that. Amazing. Thank you for having me on the show, Rosie. So some really great pearls of wisdom there from Jen. And, you know, it's really funny because every child is different and every sort of experience of that 
early parenting is is really, really different. And we had such an easy ride with our first son, Lenny. He was a dream sleeper. And it wasn't until our second and third sons that I sought the help of a sleep expert and made such a difference having that support and that education on, you know, what to do and the why behind the different bits and pieces as well. Because, you know, we can follow a set sort of rigid routine and that can work. That definitely worked with us with our first son. But, you know, each, yeah, each child has its completely own personality and it's a whole new environment when you have multiple children as well. It's not not exactly the same as just having the one baby. So, yeah, I hope you found that useful. I certainly um, just love everything that Jen's doing and hopefully we'll be catching up with her soon for a further episode around early parenting. I know that I could do with a whole lot of help in that department. So, yeah, uh, I will pop all of her details in the show notes, but you can find her website at jenniferbutler.com.au. And yeah, we'll uh, be seeing you guys in the next episode. Have a beautiful day. Bye. This episode is brought to you by Lenny Rose Active, Australian-owned, three-times mum and physiotherapist-designed luxe, active and technical wear for the pregnancy to motherhood journey. You can find us on lennyroseactive.com.au or on Instagram at Lenny Rose Active.